Good evening, everyone. It's time for another episode, another action-packed episode of Necromaniacs Podcast. How's it going, Mike? It is going well. Hello, everybody. It's my Scandato this time. <laughs> uh, back again. It is uh, April 18th when we're recording this one. A very, very rainy, crappy night in Brooklyn. It's like a storm out here. What about in Jersey? Yeah, it's raining and cold. And uh, oh, fucking, yeah, yeah. I, had to, I had to close the windows, actually. Yeah, too cold. Uh, schizophrenic April weather, folks. Uh, those listening outside of the, the immediate area in New York and New Jersey. Uh, April years ago used to mean spring in New York. Now it pretty much just means the end of winter. Yes or no? Yeah, I, I would say that's that's accurate for the last few years. You know, it's very mm. uh, very perplexing for me. <laughs> I know. Like I've said this before, New York gets nice around May first, <laughs> yeah. or maybe like after the twentieth or so of April. You know, it's just like kind of still kind of blah sometimes. It's very schizophrenic. But uh, yeah, um, since uh, the last time you and I were together. Uh, doing an episode where we did the the French film Livid, I feel like I've seen about thirty seven shows, Michael. Been out there a lot, you know. Oh, it's 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 been an eventful week and a half too for me. I mean, I, you know, we did our first uh, road work as a band, and um, mm. you know, played a local show. Uh, this our first local show of the year with the Mighty Evoking and uh, mm-hmm. our new buddies, uh, Restless Spirit from Long Island. So it was kind of it was kind of like uh you know like a New York New Jersey uh locals only show. It was cool. Nice. Yes, and of course if listeners uh paying close attention, Mike and I had dueling shows on Saturday April 16th. Uh Mike had the metal show and I had the hardcore show. And of course the shows were literally blocks away from each other or less than a mile <laughs> from each other. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um I wanted to I wanted to get there to see Tombs, but the last stand ended up going on last haha because uh sworn enemy who were the headliners had to cancel there was a, one of the guys in the band had an injury and had to have surgery so uh but it was cool it was fun um you know new york is a busy town and sometimes friends play on the same night as friends right mike sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do man and uh mm-hmm. you know it is what it is and uh you know there'll be other nights i'm confident exactly. confident of that but i gotta tell you man it was really great to get out on the road and um you know feels like uh things are pretty to me i'm gonna say i feel pretty normal right now mm. yeah okay yeah it's weird i mean i do too you know i i kind of hit it hard this weekend i i went uh thursday uh i went to go see uh this black metal show uh holder uh you know with the the female singer songwriter black metal band um played with uh the canadian band spectral wound who were just so good like it was just unbelievable live performance from spectral wound um i see it i see big things for that band if they if they keep hitting the road uh and playing in front of people i mean they just kind of had the, the crowd eating out of the palm of their hand as they say uh they kind of sounded like dawn at times mike from sweden and and no one got to see dawn in america so it's almost like you you kind of feel like you're seeing dawn but 
with some, you know, with extra goodness on top of it. It's kind of cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, those guys are fantastic, man. We played with them a few years ago up in uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, and mm. um, the guy the, the guy that I know out of the band is the is Jonah, the the singer. And um, mm-hmm. I have some of their material that I picked up at the show we played together. And uh, nice. yeah, you know they're on they're on profound lore now, and and that's that's a solid label to be on. They always put out oh, really, yeah. really really good stuff, like high quality stuff. Yeah, that that's a label where it's like if, if if you put five of their records in front of you, you'll probably like four of them. You know, like yeah, they just no, totally very consistently solid label with their metal. Their death metal, their black metal, doom metal, etc. Um, so that was fun, and uh, you know, been, you know, been rehearsing with my bands and stuff. And then Saturday we had the show, and uh, Friday, you know, this is funny. I can't remember what I did right now on Friday, but I think I went to another show. Uh, <laughs> That's funny, man. Okay, yeah, how's that? Um, and then Sunday. Went to a show, uh, saw Lamakia, our friend John Lamakia, uh, formerly of Candiria. You uh, you just interviewed him yeah. on uh, Everything Went Black podcast. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, man, been seeing a lot of shows, enjoying a lot of music. And I just wanted to give some props. About two weeks ago, I saw this wonderful uh, goth post punk band from Texas called Rose Garden Funeral Party. And uh, just completely blown away by them. Amazing uh, singer, Leah Lane, who is like a, a star in the making, in my opinion. Um, they're going to be back in New York playing with Gene with Jezebel in June. So I'm definitely going to go see them again. Um, yeah, man, they've been, been supporting a lot of music. And I just want to throw it out there that my other band is playing our first show in four years on Sunday, June 26th at the Bowery, uh, Bowery Electric with Sworn Enemy. So it's a human Sworn Enemy, uh, Bowery Electric, free all ages so show, Sunday, June 26th. I will speak proper English from the stage, I promise. Um, <laughs> so that should be a lot of fun. And Mike Hill's very own Tombs is going out on tour with Origin. Right, Mike? Yeah, man. We leave in uh in late May and come back in the middle of June. And I will I will be back in town for the Inhuman reunion show. So Excellent. That's, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. And uh I just you know, I just got to meet the guys in Sworn Enemy last year and they're they're really cool guys. So I'm gonna be there yeah, representing yeah, everybody. Sounds great. Yeah. Um but while we're plugging away of of our own bands, Tombs, The Last Stand, and Inhuman, which you all should be following on Spotify, by the way, uh, we're going to give some more plugs out to our friends over at Break the Apocalypse podcast, out to our friends over at Into the Necrosphere podcast, uh, our buddy, Brandon, Horror Wolf 666 podcast, who Mike Hill got to hang out with him. Right? Yeah, man, down in uh, in Westfield, which was uh, probably one of the more interesting uh, shows uh you know, we were talking about this before we started recording. I don't want to talk about some of the stuff that I talked about before, <laughs> but that was uh, definitely one of the more interesting shows. Uh, you know, people talking about drinking blood and you know that kind of stuff. So it was like wonderful. Fun. But it was great to hang out with uh, with Brandon and his his lo- lovely wife Cindy. I got to meet both you know both of them in person. That was great. Awesome. So yeah, check out the Horror Wolf Six 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 podcast, and of course, last but not least. 
Agitators Anonymous, Alan Avero of Primordial, who has been on a tear lately with his music industry related episodes. Uh, really cool stuff about touring. Uh, he also had a great Slayer episode recently. Um, so yeah, he kind of alternates. One will be about the music industry and then one will be about either music, old bands or whatnot. You know, fun, fun podcast. But uh, yeah, other than that, on the viewing front, hmm, I got to tell you, I've been going out so much. I, I don't have a shit to even like to report on the viewing front. Like not a lot, honestly. What about you? I actually got two I mean, things. You've been away. Yeah, but I, when I got home, I didn't want I was completely shot. So I just like sat in front of the TV, for, you know, for a night or two. And mm. um, so I did watch a couple things that are noteworthy. I watched a lot of stuff that was very unremarkable, but mm. I finally got to see The Devils, the Ken Russell film. Yes. Have you ever seen that? No, I've just had a DVD for 12 years in my to-watch pile. Do me, do me a favor. Do me a favor and check that out. Years, yeah. 12 years, but anyway, go on. Is it still like in the wrapping and stuff too? Uh, no, it's out of the wrapper. It's out of the wrapper. It is a boot. Of the uncut version, but okay. go on. All right. Yeah, do me a favor. Open that DVD case and put it in your <laughs> player and watch it tonight because it's a f- I, okay. I loved it, man. You know, it's got – it's on Shudder, or, or you can watch it streaming on Shudder. There you go. And uh, um, shaved, shaved down, though. It's slightly uh, – It's a little it's cut, not, yeah. It's not – There's cuts. There's cuts on the Shudder one, unfortunately. It's yeah. not fully cut, yeah. Right. So, but, you know, I, I don't have access to what you – you know, the, the version you have. But – it's still mm-hmm. pretty good, man, and it's also very controversial for the time. It's got a, a young yeah. Oliver Reed in it, a young Vanessa Redgrave who's like simply ravishing in this movie, mm-hmm. and um, it's got all the stuff I love, man, like heavy duty, like anti Christian vibes, like all this Catholic imagery, like crucifixes, like all that stuff. Nuns, it's got it all. Yeah, you know, it is a movie I know a lot about. Okay. But have not seen. There's a bunch of. I could do an episode movies I know about, but haven't seen, and this is one of them. Uh, Salo was another. I know a lot about Salo. I've never seen it. I've saw it um, once, man, and that's all I need is this yeah, one time. Exactly. I'm. I'm afraid. I've owned. I've owned the Criterion Blu-ray for eight years of Salo. I haven't watched it. That. That's. But um. Yeah. It is time to crack open the Devil's uh, DVD. Had it for a long time. Um, and apparently this, this one, this version I have is a very nice version. So like visually, um, I'm going to do that, but I watched fresh. Uh, I know, uh, you guys covered it last week. I really enjoyed fresh actually the, the new horror film that's on uh, Hulu. Um, I thought it was really cool. And now I'm going to plunker down and watch the Batman because the Batman is on HBO as of today, folks, uh, April 18th. That's outstanding. I'm I'm gonna rewatch yeah. it probably the, over the weekend because I I thought it was a great movie, you know. Yeah, they're doing this 45 day out thing with the the Warner movies, I believe. So, and it was 45 days from release. So yeah, that's fair enough. There we go. Um, I also watched this thing on uh, on Prime. The uh, Have you seen <laughs> the the Kistery series? No. It's like that three episode. I'd say three or four episodes. Um, you know, the, of uh, Kiss history. And um, mm-hmm. it takes it from the beginning all the way to the reunions. 
and um, oh, okay. all the different lineups that. of the band, like Eric Carr, you know, of course, Ace Freely and Peter Chris uh, declined to be interviewed. So there's only archival interview footage of mm. them, you know, and like stuff that they got from like different, you know, like Revolver and like, you know, Loudwire type interviews. And um, lots of Gene and Paul, obviously. You know? Get out of here. <laughs> um, I got to say, man, Ace Freely has always been my favorite member of Kiss. But I got to say, I think Paul Stanley is probably the most likable member of Kiss, though. Uh, you know what? He gets weird raps here and there, but he does seem like the like the most likable guy yeah, in the band. I think so. You know, uh, like the most quote normal in the band. You know, because uh, you know Peter Chris. I've heard wild tales about him. I've heard eight million wild ace freely tales gene simmons just the douchey slash not a nice guy tales but paul stanley i feel like i've heard mainly positive things yeah yeah i, I kind of like paul stanley you know and and um hmm. you know ace is always like you know that's always he's always going to be my favorite like member you know just aesthetically you know what i'm trying to say but yeah, uh, but no, yeah i've grown i've grown to i've grown to appreciate paul stanley well um tonight ladies and gentlemen we are going to europe mike we're taking the kids the whole fam <laughs> on a trip to europe tonight um by way of belgium yeah uh would be wonderful absolutely wonderful euro horror vampire film daughters of darkness from 1971 directed by harry kumel not to be confused with my favorite uh, 70s jam. Well, one of my favorite 70s jams, Daughters of Darkness, uh, by Tom Jones. Not the same thing, Michael. No, no, definitely not. Good song. Yeah. Seek out that song, listeners. Daughters of Darkness by Tom Jones. Great song. Euro horror. Okay. Some people love it. Some people don't like it. Some people are kind of in between. I'm going to go out on a limb right now. And aside from your Argentos and your Fulchis, I'm going to say Daughters of Darkness is a wonderful place to start with European horror, Michael. What do you think? I agree with that. And one of the reason why I agree with it is that it's it's uh, covering like familiar ground for a lot of people. You know, um, it's a it's a vampire story. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't get too crazy with the plot. You know, the plot's pretty, no. li pretty linear. No, it does not. Mm -hmm. um, and if you like beautiful women... Uh, the <laughs> This yeah, this movie is uh, overflowing with beautiful women, beautiful, yeah, beautiful women. Yes, um, there are literally like six people in this movie, and three of them are drop dead gorgeous uh, actresses. Yes, that is true. Yeah, um, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, it is to me one of the most or the most elegant vampire movies i've ever seen michael how about that it is but it also is kind of sleazy too you know a little sleazy yes yeah a little sleazy yeah it, but it, the thing that sets this one apart from all of like the other kind of bathory sexy vampire you know cash-ins of the early 70s late 60s etc is the number one, I think the acting 
Um, and number two, I feel like this has an air of class to it. Uh, mainly brought in by actress Delphine Sirig, who plays Bathory. I don't know. Something about her classes up the joint in this movie, Mike, for me. Well, yeah, I mean, she's like a you know very accomplished, legitimate actress. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I would say out of all of the the Bathory, you know, movies based on Elizabeth Bathory, this is definitely probably the best. You know, I'm definitely gonna mm-hmm. like. You know, there, there's been a few out there. You know, the blood mm-hmm. the blood countess is one that comes to mind. You know, mm-hmm. and none none of them really live up to this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. The, the Hammer vampire, sexy vampire movies, you know, like Twins of Evil, etc. like, they're different from this one. I feel like those, although they have the, their their coolness and atmospheric uh, sides to them, this one, I don't know. I feel like this one is a bit above those. Um, I feel like this is a better movie than some of those. I mean, it's better acting. Um uh, I even get, I got like, like I feel like The Shining has has some visuals from this movie that probably are not. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where, you know, I, Stanley Kubrick. I don't even know if I ever even saw this movie, um, but there are like these weird kind of moments in the hotel that I, I got a little Shining vibes from. This is '71. Stanley Kubrick's movie is 1980. I mean, who the hell knows? Um, the color red in this movie will just fucking, you know. I fuck you, you know? Oh, yeah, um, that was one of my favorite things, actually, that is instead of a fade to black, it's a fade to red. Yes. Uh, visually, it's a beautiful movie. It's got great music. I mean, there's, there's a lot to like here, and I maintain that this is a wonderful place to start for your Yorohara uh, outside of your, your Argentos and your Fulci's, because I feel like a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with the work of Dario Argento and Lucio Fulci, but may not have really, you know, uh, jumped fully in uh, maybe in the European vampire stuff or just, again, the non-marquee Euro stuff. That, that's what I think. The, the version that you watched, I believe, it's, it was the Blue Underground one, right, that you the, you have? Yes. Yeah, the mm-hmm. same one I have, yeah. So that we watched yeah, the yeah. same version um, of it and the same extras and all that kind of stuff, too. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, extras are great, actually. Um, I have the, the new Blu-ray, which is, it's a, it comes with the 4K HD, which I don't have. A Blu-ray, which, of course, I have a Blu-ray player, and the CD soundtrack. So it's a great three-disker from Blue Underground. But I've had the standalone CD a CD DVD from Blue Underground since like 08, 07 at, with the slipcase cover. So I have two, I have two of these movies. I have two versions. Yeah. But it is the same movie. Though. It's the same. Uh, you know, they, they didn't, it's not longer or anything like that. It just looks better. This one than the old one. I also want to underscore how awesome the film score is. The uh, Francois de Robley, Robey uh, film mm-hmm. score. It's, uh, I think that's a, typical thing with a lot of the better European films is that the, the way music really adds to the enjoyment of the film, the way it's kind of woven into the overall uh, experience of the film. I think that Europe, European filmmakers utilize that way, way to the extreme. And I love that. And that, and this oh, movie yeah. is for sure like part of that whole like vibe. 
Um, the cool thing is, okay, this actually came out uh, on vinyl in 2018 from mu the, the very uh, cool music on vinyl label who puts out like high quality releases of like tons of metal and punk and mainstream music. They did uh, a really cool uh, red vinyl version and a clear vinyl version. And then in 2021, they did an additional version with, a, with an extra seven inch. Oh, wow. So there's, nice. yeah, there's cool versions of this out there uh, to, you know, on Discogs. Um, I don't think there are any left, you know, under 40 bucks at this point, but it's definitely worth hunting down even for 40, $50. That's how cool this music is. And I know my buddy has this on vinyl. It looks really nice. And I'm in the process of, of hunting one down myself. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely gonna throw it down. And you know, the only thing I, the only version I have is the CD version that came with the uh, the Blu-ray. So it'd be cool yeah. to have a vinyl copy of it. Exactly. So I found this cool little, uh, you know, write-up introductory thing on the movie. I would just like to share from uh, Far Out Magazine at UK uh, website. European horror is a thing of beauty, cooked up in a cauldron of existential dread, grief, and autistic audacity, films such as Don't Look Now, Suspiria, and even Harry Kumail's Daughters of Darkness each possess a magical realism existing in a realm both inseparably real and fantastical. Whilst popular American films often focus on fear of the other, European horror pieces the terror into one's human mind. Uh, digging deep into the human psyche, Doors of Darkness is an erotic horror film set in Belgium following a newlywed couple who encounter a mysterious countess on their journey. The red-lipped stranger introduces herself as Countess of Bathory, a woman who the locals swear hasn't aged despite being there 40 years before she becomes obsessed with the newlywed couple and hatches her evil plans. I would say very solid summary overall. Yeah, definitely. You know, we should definitely mm -hmm. run down the cast because there, there's some other notables here. Um, oh, yeah. 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 So, of course, we have uh, Delphine Sirig as Count, Countess Elizabeth. And the way they pronounce it is Batori. Batori, yes. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, we, we, da uh, Danielle, we met. We, we met. We may. She's a Canadian. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, yeah. Valerie Chilton. Mm hmm. Now this was surprising, and you brought that when you brought this to my uh, my attention, John Carlin, oh, yeah. John Carlin as her husband, Stephen mm -hmm. Chilton. Now, when I first uh, you know when I first saw this film, I figured this guy was like some sort of like Dutchman or something like that, you know, like he was like mm -hmm. you know maybe Eastern European or something. But it turns right. out he's a he's a Brooklyn born and born and raised. Yes, <laughs> he's an American, and not only that. Um, he was all oh, dark shadows. Yeah. Dark shadows. Uh, he That's played right. Willie Loomis. And in the eighties, he was on Cagney and Lacey. He was, uh, what do you call it? The husband of, of Mary Beth Lacey, Tyne Daly, Harvey Lacey, uh, young kids, uh, Cagney and Lacey was a female cop show from 1982 to 1988 on CBS. <laughs> and he know, was the husband. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. Um, you know, I, I that that I remember hearing Dark Shadows though, because I used to watch. I, I've watched that series a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the kind of updated version of Dark Shadows? They they tried to remake it. No, I've always wanted to. I've heard actually some people 
I've read in, you know, some places that it's actually quite good. Well, you know, our, our mutual friend, Stephanie, um, mm -hmm. who moved out to Colorado, uh, swears by it apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. I, I don't, I don't swear by it. I've seen a few episodes and I wasn't really that enthralled with it, you know? Mm. But I tell you, John Carlin is really cool in this movie. And yeah, if someone was going to make a bet with me for every, you know, penny I had in the bank, if this guy was a European, I would say, yeah, he's European. I would have lost every penny I had at the bank because he's American. <laughs> yeah. I would have been in big trouble. We also um, have uh, and also, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Adria, yeah. Andrea Rao. Yeah. Uh, who, who was another stunning beauty. I have a question about her, though, Mike. Okay. Right out, right out the gate here. Is she a vampire? You know, we can address that because th this, loner, this yes. plays into a lot of um, this is what makes this an interesting film because the same the same way they, they play with the vampire genre and it's a very <laughs> different type of film. I'm I'm going to say yes. OK. Yeah. Yeah. She's reluctant, though. She says something. She, she wants she wants to be dead. Number one. Yeah, that, that's important. She doesn't want to be there. She wants to run away. She's a reluctant vampire companion to uh, Delphine Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And we, we got we got two other people to kind of round out the cast. And like we were saying, there's yep. not a lot of people in this film. So we got Paul like six. Yeah. Paul Esser as Pierre, the concierge at the hotel. <laughs> He's and, great. And uh, George Jamin as the retired cop. So mm -hmm. he, you know, he's like this this fucking Yenta who who just can't mind his own business, man. You know, he's <laughs> he's retired, and he uh, he's you know trying to solve crimes. Uh, and we've got one more very interesting cast member here that literally I feel like it adds that 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 seventies sleaze to the movie. Uh, Fonz Rademacher as mother. Oh yeah, okay. It adds that that little something something uh, to this movie. Would you, Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I. I that's, how can we forget? <laughs> how can we forget that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of shocking, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, are we going to spoil that? You know what? I mean, Let, I let's go ahead and do it, just because this movie came out like you know, it's almost as old as we are. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, 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 I was, you know, I was born in 73. This movie came out in 71. So yeah, this is a 50 year old movie. Spoilers, people. We're going to spoil Dark Daughters of Darkness, the hot new movie. Um, so yeah, just be, be warned. But well, yeah, I'm yeah. going to maintain, like I said, this, this is just, I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of watching this movie again. Um, made me realize just how much I dug it. I don't think I'd seen it since around uh, 07 or 08 when I bought the DVD. So it, it was made for a very fun watch on uh, Blu-ray. Well, this movie starts out right away with, uh, mm -hmm. with, with some sexy stuff. You know what I mean? Like yes. imme immediately, you know, the newlywed couples uh, on a train ride. Now, right away, we have like a, a lovemaking session between Stefan and Valerie. And, mm -hmm. In the extras, they you know they have a whole all these interviews with all the different actors and actresses that are, are, were still alive at the time with when they mm -hmm. did the extras. And um, Danielle Wimay, uh 
spoke about her experience as primarily doing this kind of like softer, softcore porn sort of. Mm. And uh, how back in the 70s, people were just a lot more freer and they weren't as hung up about being naked. So to her, it felt natural just to be yeah. acting nude. Naked, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, how, what, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like, I feel like our society has definitely gotten more uptight about this stuff on you, you know, unusually, I think. 100%. I, a while back, I might've even said it more than once that there's like no nudity in movies anymore, even in R-rated movies and sex scenes are fully clothed. And yeah, so I completely agree with you. Um, in the 70s and 80s, you were naked in a sex scene or you were topless. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was there was nudity in a sex scene. I feel like we've moved quite a bit away from that unless we're talking about indie films, Mike. Yeah. Uh, studio movies, good luck. Uh, I can't recall any. So, you know, again, unless it's, it's either like some indie rated R movie or whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... It was it was not a big deal at all. They, they didn't balk at it at all, apparently, back then. And that's just, I think, just how society was. You know, and, no, and, and the thing that I, I um, you know, m- maybe there was a point in my life where part of me was like, oh, you know, like we, we shouldn't be objectifying women and stuff like that. But after listening to her speak about it, it was, I don't feel like there was any objectification. I feel like that it was something that she enjoyed doing and she just was like comfortable, you know? Yeah, before before she did uh, Doors of Darkness, she was in a, a popular erotic film. I, yeah, I, I watched the extra, just like you. Know, I can't remember the name of it, and it was like a part two of it. It did so well, so she was, you know, she was she was very very fine with showing off, you know, her body and, and her acting. Well, ironically, um, that film I think was called Valerie. Valerie, yes, yeah. yes, Valerie, Valerie, right? Yeah. And yes, the name of her character in uh, Daughters of Darkness. Which in Belgium is Le, Le, Le Vert Roger, the red, the red lips or something like that. It's got a it's got a different name uh, yeah. in, in Belgium, obviously. Uh, I do like the the, the American name, Dawn's of Darkness. I think it's cool. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> and also, um, Andrea Rao was uh, she was in Playboy and um, yeah, another, another one mm-hmm. that was very you know very comfortable being being naked and it wasn't thought of as any kind of exploitation or anything like that. Yes, and. Also, Delphine is not naked in this film. Uh, Countess Bathory, no, no nudity in this film. Man, uh, but she, she doesn't really, she doesn't need it, man. She kind of, she chews the scenery, yeah, folks. I was, was going to say mean, that. It's, yeah. You know, this is her movie. This is, uh, this is her movie. She's kind of unforgettable in it. Uh, as a cool aside, um, what do you call it? What's her name? Lady Gaga took. A, a page from her role and, and put it into uh, what do you call it? What's that the horror show she was on? Oh, American Horror Story. Yes, exactly. So she wore even that same kind of dress that she wears that 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 silver dress. She well, kind of like fashioned it after uh, after this movie. Uh, yeah. Hmm, okay. Yeah. I like Lady cool. Gaga, but she's definitely not on the same level as uh, Delphine Sirig. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I mean. Lady Gaga is a very attractive woman, but Delphine is a a more attractive, more I don't know. It's, I almost feel like there's no comparison. I guess I get I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and also let, let's give some props to uh, to the director who 
the the filming of this film like when you first see uh countess Bathory, it's the way it's shot and and in the extras they talk about how they're they're referencing like marlene dietrich and um you know this mm. very very noir-esque kind of uh framing you know she yeah. has like that veil and you first you see her lips and there's all these shadows and everything and it's just so artfully done you know and um yeah just a great looking movie yeah and she was uh about 39 40 at the time uh of you know making this movie and yeah she just she just has this look about I mean, you kind of can't take your eyes off her mic right i mean it's yeah. just like yeah she just she's, she owns the movie and it's just every scene she's in and she has this voice that is kind of also like unforgettable um another reason why i think this is a great place to start for your euro horrors is that this movie is shot entirely in English, okay? Yes, that's true. And it true. is not dubbed. This movie is not dubbed. Uh, there's no weird dubbing. It's 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 a it's a foreign film that is spoken and shot entirely in English. So I think that could also appeal to some of you. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, totally. And, and being Belgian, it could have been shot in in three different languages. It could have been shot in Flemish, <laughs> German, and French. So the fact that they picked English is is good for us, you know. Yeah, yeah. And man, I gotta tell you, going back to that John Carlin, he 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 speaks like, I mean, I don't know if it was for the role or not, but he sounds like a man with some kind of accent, but you just can't place what it is, or maybe he doesn't have one and he's just speaking really good English, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, he's convincing as a European, as a Euro. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um. <laughs> Another interesting point to make about his character too is that he's a rich guy who comes from. Mm -hmm. old, you have this. You have this sense that his family is like old European money, you know, like they uh, their family probably have, were were like lords or something like that in the in the distant, you know, from the medieval times or something, and they're just the idle rich, you know. And Valerie is. Uh, more um, working class. Yeah, and, and right, that, right. There, there's a big theme of love and entitlement, I think, in this film. You know, mm -hmm. and and it even you know the, one of the the point of them making this trip is to um, have Valerie because they just got married, meet the mother. Mm -hmm. You know, and she's very yes. very concerned about whether or not his mother is going to like her or not. And uh -huh. you know, and and Stefan is like. Oh well, you know, she's she already hates you without even meeting you. So it, <laughs> it sets up this very class related, very you know, elite sort of um, old money, you know, arist aristocratic sort of vibe, and um, and that plays out through the whole film really about love and and whether or not he actually loves her and and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Oh no, totally, totally. Also, though. I mean, once we find out a little more about his quote-unquote mom, I mean, was he rich or was he kind of a grifter? Like, it's kind of like I almost was a little, you know, the eyebrows were kind of raised because I almost felt like maybe he was tied to my mother and that mother was his, his money and his, you know what I'm saying? But although I don't know, like that question isn't really answered. That was just something that kind of crossed huh. my mind. That's interesting. That maybe, that, that's an interesting point. I, I didn't really yeah, consider like that. Like he actually is not the son of aristocratic British family. You know wow. what I'm saying? That's a whole other twist um, I didn't even consider, actually. 
Yeah, that he is a uh, gigolo. Yeah. So there's that possibility. Yeah. So as Mike said, um, the the, the train they're on breaks down and they end up in this this beautiful uh, seafront hotel in Belgium, uh, the Ostend, um, which is deserted because it's like winter. It's basically like winter time. It's It's winter time. Yeah. Yeah. Off season. Totally off season. Um, that's where I got that guy kind of shining vibes at the hotel because it's deserted and it has these beautiful hallways and steps and, you know. I was feeling the little, same little thing, definitely. Cooper. Definitely feeling the yeah, same thing. Yeah, Um, so they check in. There's a very interesting, uh, you know, guy at the front desk, uh, Pierre. Um, and ba- Elizabeth Bathory and Ilona eventually check in. And uh, the concierge is like astounded because he's like, you know, I wouldn't forget a face. You, you checked into this hotel 40 years ago. And, you know, you did. You know what I'm saying? Not your mother or a younger version like you as you are now. And she wants a certain room. And it turns out the newlywed couple has the room and she sees them dining and thus begins the the game of the, the game of cat and mouse, so to speak, Mike. Yeah, and, and I love how this whole thing really is just like almost it's like coincidental how the how everyone mm-hmm. meets. You got this newlywed. It was coincidental. Yeah, yeah you know, mm-hmm. they just happen to be in this like expansive brooding hotel on the seafront, and you know, Madame Bathory and and uh, Luna just happen to be there at the. Everyone was there at the wrong time or right time. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, and, and that's when when the story really really starts kicking in. No, totally. And of course, uh, Bathory has her sights on the both of them, but really mainly on Valerie, because you're almost getting the sense that she wants to replace Alona with Valerie. Uh, no duh. Um, you, you you get these moments when Alona and and Bathory are alone together, and Alona is super depressed and very upset. At one point, she tries to run away. She says she wishes she could die. Uh, so yeah, she's she's a very reluctant uh, companion, vampire companion uh, to Bathory, I would say. Um, and as Mike was saying, um, Valerie, uh, John Carlin's wife, Stefan's wife, is kind of on John Carlin's ass to call the mother uh, because she, you know, she wants them to know that they've gotten married because. The mother is not even aware that her son has has run off and gotten married to this quote unquote l- lesser status woman, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and at some point, that phone call is made. Okay, and he, here here's the big mic drop moment. And uh, you know, Stefan is talking, and we hear a very deep voice that we don't. You know, it could be a woman's voice. It could be a deep older woman's voice and then the camera suddenly goes to what mother looks like and mother is in fact a a man uh you know an older effeminate man wearing makeup and it is dawned on the viewers that stefan and quote mother are in a relationship together and that stefan is i'm going to throw it out there michael a bisexual sure yeah Okay. I mean, this, yeah. this whole movie is uh, is you know very fluid in that. It's bisexuality, practically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, Bathory, Alona, Val, like you know, across the board, practically, right? So, it, yeah, it kind of makes sense. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely reluctant to call him a, a, a homosexual man because he is marrying and, you know, quite quite taken by his, his wife, but bisexual, certainly, you know, um, because he does have a relationship with mother. We don't even get mother's name. All we get is mother, listeners. Yeah. It's a really, really weird moment. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great moment, though. It's kind of, it kind of, I think, helps what makes this movie kind of unforgettable, really. Yeah, and, and like, I guess, like, for me, I, um, you know, like, you read all these, like, gothic stories, like, take place in, you know, like, in different times. And, and the rich are always into some weird shit. You know, they're always like mm, these like weird, yes. kinky like things going on with the rich, and that's why I was like, oh well, you know, there's some sketchy thing going on here that's going to be largely unexplained that you just have to accept. But I guess like the idea that you have of him being a gigolo is kind of uh, would would, would apply, you know, I suppose. Yeah, um, and of course, mother scolds Stefan for getting married, but he does express curiosity at the, at, the, at the prospect of meeting Valerie, which I take is, you know, well, it's never going to happen. He's probably never going to meet her, but uh, it was a very interesting moment. Uh, amidst all of this, uh, listeners, there are murders going on in the neighborhood, in the city where the hotel is, where a lot of young, beautiful women are being murdered. And well, what do you know? Drained of blood. Right, Michael? That's right. That's right. And, and this uh, is that where, is because, <laughs> yeah, because you know, Countess Bathory and and Ilona have hit the town. I guess, right? I guess that's kind of what's going on in the background. And it's always women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they 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 they're really kind of stalking uh, Valerie and Stefan. Uh, Countess Bathory is really kind of, you know, getting in the middle of things and you know, trying to get the alone time with Valerie and with Stefan, you know, she's, she's trying to send Alona to go sleep with Stefan. There's like all that happening, right? Yeah. She's like, a, she's a manipulator behind the scenes and, Oh, very big manipulator. And that, that whole Which, concept of, of the uh, vampiric relationship and the, the lead vampire replacing the, the having that replaced that, you know, superseding the other one is like a common thing. Like even it made me think of the hunger, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, like where, where David Bowie's mm-hmm. character gets like put in a box because he's you know starting to get too he's aging out of it. You know what I mean? And um, and I, yeah, you get yeah, that I feeling. Feel like I've also, oh, I'm sorry. What? Now you get that feeling with like like even though Luna's like you know this beautiful young girl, like Countess Bathory, she just always just needs something new all the time, and she sees Valerie, and she's like, <laughs> all, all right, yesterday's news, Luna's out, Valerie's in, and he made it her mission. To, to pervert right. her into the ways of the vampire, you know? Like, is it me, or this has gone on in other vampire movies where the head vampire, be it male or female, is literally always just on the lookout for new Tang. I yeah. mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, whether it be male man. or female, Tang. Yeah. They're just always trying to, you know, they always want to replace, you know? I mean, it's just hilarious, really. You, you ever um, see that Jamie Gillis porno movie, the... Uh, <laughs> Vampire Dracula erotica. No, never saw that one. No, <laughs> you got to see that sometime. I'm mm. sure it's got like 17 other titles, but look, look up right. uh, under Jamie Gillis's career. And uh, ironically, he was a vampire who could not have sex. 
Ah. Yeah, that's a that's a key plot element in that in that story. So well, there, there you go. look, there's look, you there's a school of thought that's is you know, there's a chance no vampires could have sex. All they can do is drink blood, right? And that gives them sexual pleasure. I feel like we've seen a mishmash of that in, in films. I feel like we've literally like almost some vampires have never had actual sex. They've only just lusted the guy or the girl to drink the blood and that's the sex. And then I feel like, no, we've seen the ones where they have been able to have sex and it's just, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag there. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a mixed bag. And, and in, but in this one, sex is on the table for sure, man. Cause this, okay. everyone's having sex in this, in this movie. <laughs> you know, we well, got... it is a, it's an adult film. Yeah. I, I would hope so. Mike. I would say on. this is an adult film, man, especially from like the time frame it came out, like in 71, you know, this is like a mm-hmm. racy movie. It is. But again, I feel like that there's an air of, of class and elegance in this movie due to the, the, the acting and, and the look and the clothing and the music. It's just it's not your typical 70s schlock fest at all. No, no, no. I mean, it's a beautiful film. And like I said, you just even, you know, you know, having having just the way it looks and Delphine Terrigan, it just makes it mm. a, another but brings it to another level completely because she's so classy and. Just old school, yeah. like beautiful woman, man. You know, totally, totally. Um, so after that weird phone call, Stefan kind of gets a little nutty, and and there's a weird scene that you don't really see. You see through a window where he starts beating Valerie with his belt. Yeah. Uh, and they have like sex, and and the next day you see her in the bed with all these welts on her. Um, and. In that next day, it's when we have a scene where Ilona uh, seduces Stefan while Valerie uh, actually runs away from the hotel after the beating. And Elizabeth uh, Bathory stops Valerie at the train station and, and brings her back to the hotel. And they, you know, they get very friendly. And we have a, a very interesting scene where after Stefan and Ilona have had sex, where Stefan is trying to get Alona into the shower very, very aggressively, I will add. She does not want to go in with the water, which I thought was interesting. Uh, for a moment there, I almost thought once her skin hit the water, it was going to melt. But no, that did not happen. Um, she falls during this tussle in the bathroom and slashes her hand on a razor. But, okay, something I noticed. She grabs that razor. Okay, if you're paying attention, Ilona wants to die. She wants to run away. She's had enough of being a vampire. She, in my opinion, in this scene, Mike Hill, kills herself in this scene because as they're falling, she grabs the razor in a way that it sticks up and she falls on top of it. Did you notice that? No, 100 percent. I mean, yeah, she wants she wants out. She does tired of living. Who knows yep. how old she is, you know, really, mm-hmm. you know, how all this stuff, you know. Yeah, she's yeah. She's just over being a, a, a child of the night, you know, and, and right, a daughter right. of darkness, if you will. Daughter of darkness, yeah, she's over it. And I tell you, I think it's actually one of the cooler, the lack of the Alona backstory here is kind of cool in a way. What do you think? There's a lack of backstory on her. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like a lot of like that leaving to your imagination mm-hmm. kind of stuff, you know. 
and this movie is very goth. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's very like Roz Williams, Christian Death. Like the whole thing is like very suicide. I'm tired of living. Uh, you know, like dark that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, you know, and and uh, Andrea Rao has that look. You know, with the bangs and everything. Oh yeah, she is like a knockout. I mean, look, all the women in this movie are knockouts. Um, and of course, we have the handsome John Carlin from yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, the handsome uh, guy yeah. who's props. Um. Who, who looks like he, you know, just stepped out of like, you know, a, a swinging 70s party himself. Exactly. Um, so Valerie and uh, Bathory come into the apartment. They see Alona dead on the floor. They think, of course, you know, John Collin murdered her. He did not murder her. Uh, you know, uh, Valerie says, we'll call the police. Bathory is like out of the question. So they all kind of wrap her up and they're all accomplices in murder, of course, at this point. And they get her body, you know, you know, out of the hotel They throw it off, a, you know, the, uh, the what is that? The veranda there. And they go to a field to, you know, to bury her body. And we have a really interesting scene while John Carlin Stefan is, is digging a grave where at this point, uh, Bathory has her hooks in, uh, you know, in uh what do you call it valerie at this point and there's that scene where she kind of like opens up the jacket she's wearing and it looks like she has like bat wings but yeah. it's really the jacket yeah. that was fucking sick that scene that, like that i wish i had a poster light. i wish i had a framed poster of that that was amazing. yes yes uh there are no bad transformations in this movie listeners there's no i mean there's no supernatural other than the fact that she is a vampire right um but there is this one cool scene uh, in the moonlight while a grave is being dug where she just kind of like embraces her and it looks like bat wings. It's like really, really fucking cool. Um, and of course, <laughs> while this is going on, there's the watchful eye of the retired policeman who has been kind of casing them this, this whole time because he himself remembers the old battery from whatever years ago. And of course, so does Pierre, the uh, concierge, who I'm proud to say makes it out of this movie alive, the concierge, Mike. I'm, I'm happy uh, yeah, that, that yeah. He, he suffers no fate. Um, well, just real quick about some of, out of there After they bury the body, uh, the policeman gets rammed by a car. Uh, I don't think he's killed, though. What about that? I think he's injured. I don't know, man. Uh, pretty, the retired pretty, policeman. Uh, looks like a pretty brutal uh, car. Yeah, really? Hmm, yeah. Okay. Maybe I was just hoping he wasn't dead. They kind of like cap him with the car. About about bike. the uh, the vampire stuff though. True, no va- no bat transformations, but and, and also no fangs. Not like there's really there's no there's no, no neck biting. There that when when they suck blood, it's out of like a, an incision usually. That's a good point. There are yeah. no things in this movie right and and right. if you go in if you read back on the elizabeth bat elizabeth bathory uh story you know the legend you know she's bathed in the blood of of women you know what i mean right so she's not exactly now, like uh you know dracula you know what i mean it's not it's not no, that type not. of thing at all it's a different style she does not go out in sunlight though so she it's weird she has a mix of the vampire tropes yes Mixed with like just a blood drinker trope, and uh, you know, no, no reflection, it. no reflection either. Yes, no reflection. Right, doesn't go out in the daytime, but no fangs. Um, 
I mean, and although Elizabeth Bathory did exist and was not a good woman, um, we she wasn't a vampire per se, but no. it, you know, for this movie, they have kind of mixed the Elizabeth Bathory, uh, you know, history with vampirism, which I thought was a cool thing, you know. Yeah, they 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 definitely established that she's like ageless because of you know the whole setting with Pierre and you know having seen her and have him and he was a young man when he saw her originally. Yeah, uh, they make it back to the hotel, the three of them, right as the sun is uh, you know uh, just about to hit, right, um, and they get back to the room, uh, the three of them, and I, I think at this point, like. Stefan has had enough. He wants to grab his wife and get the fuck out of Dodge, grab Valerie. But Valerie, uh, it has now come under the spell of Bathory. And I believe during that embrace, that cool shot I was speaking about moments ago, was bitten by her and is now a vampire, Mike. Right? I, I, yeah, because her whole yeah. demeanor is mm-hmm. different, you know. Also, yeah. I, I want to say one thing, one more thing about Stefan is that when they're walking around the town in the earlier in the film and and there's a scene where where there's a the murder you know what i mean and uh they the cops are there they discovered a body you can see the foreshadowing that stefan is like has like a dark side like he's he's yeah. into like you know yeah he's a wacky guy yeah he's into like hurting women and you know all that kind of stuff you know what i mean like he, mm-hmm. he kind of is into the fact that there was like this woman who was murdered and it, it excited him you know exactly yeah he's 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 into death he's into violence he's got a secret he's he's a tortured man you yeah. know so you know She's under uh, Elizabeth Bathory's spell. There's a big fight that breaks out in the room. Uh, weird moment. Um, how they actually end up end up eventually killing Stefan. This glass bowl breaks as they're about to smash it. You know, suffocate him with it on the floor, and it breaks into two pieces that kind of slash his wrists. Yeah. And each of them grab one of his wrists and start drinking his blood, and he, you know, he dies. And then they kind of they wrap him up the same way they wrapped Alona up and they, they get him in the car. It's kind of like a almost like a repeat of what happened earlier in the film. Um, but again, a, a day has passed at this point and they do not want to be caught in the sunlight and they're kind of speeding on a road. And then they're kind of blinded by the sunlight and Valerie loses control of the car. Um, Elizabeth Bathory is thrown from the vehicle and impaled on a broken branch just as like the sun is coming up and the car catches on fire. That was actually a really great scene, huh? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I have to say that it's probably a little nod to Dracula, you know, Vlad the Impaler, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, We think uh, Valerie is also dead because the car kind of catches on fire and explodes. Okay. Uh, Then there's a crawl across the screen that says several months later, we see Valerie, you know, all beautiful looking, very pale, with a young couple at playing tennis at a resort. And she's giving this young, beautiful couple the same spiel that Elizabeth Bathory gave to her and Stefan, like saying all these lines about how great it was to meet them, right? Like the whole, like, you know, seductive charm that Bathory laid on her, you know, months prior. And of course, we know as the viewers that Valerie is the new, you know, 
head blood drinker in charge and is probably going to kill this beautiful couple and the film ends. Um, again, watching this for the first time in, in over 10 years made me realize just how much I really like this movie. And it is way up there in, in my vampire films and in my Euro horror films. Um, a lot of fun, uh, a lot to like. And this film is a five out of five for me, Michael. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's a five out of five for me too. You know, mm. I loved it. I thought it was great. I think this is one of my favorite vampire films, uh, in addition to uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely right up there. Um, yeah, this movie even had a New York City premiere, May twenty eighth, nineteen seventy one. Must have been fun to to see it in the theater back then, huh? Oh yeah, like once again, our favorite time frame, the seventies. Hmm. You know, if we, you and um, I were alive in the seventies, I'd have like a, <laughs> I'd have an afro and like sideburns. You know, you'd have a must. Well, you um, have you have a mustache, but you'd have like a bigger one. Yeah, I have a mustache right now, folks. Listeners, yeah. I have a mustache now. So yeah. Um, in the early twenty tens, Time Out magazine and Time Out, you know, the website uh, did a Top 100 horror movies. Daughters of Darkness placed at number 90. How about that? Wow, that's that's respectable, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, for, for this movie to crack 100 best horror movies uh, out of a fairly mainstream publication, uh, yeah. that, that is quite good. Um, and uh, feminist critique Camille Paglia <laughs> wrote quite a bit about this movie and how much she liked it. Um, and... Uh, she said, you know, lesbian vampire films in the early 70s, you know, went from the pornographic to the dreamy aesthetic. Uh, and as the gothic horror movie took to flaunting its psychosexual subtext, Daughters of Darkness leans flamboyantly toward the artistic artistic end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, she kind of basically is talking about how it kind of separates itself from those kind of more lesbian titillation films of that day. Yeah, it's Which there it, is way more to it, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean this movie is a sexy movie number 1 and number 2, mm -hmm. but it 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 has that artistic vibe to it which makes it not exploitation straight up, you know what I mean? Mm. At least that's my oh, take no, on totally. it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I think, you know, if if you're more of a reluctant person with the European stuff or you don't like the dubbing or it just, you know, some of it might just be a little kind of over the head. I mean, this is an extremely linear film and it's it's got a beginning, middle and ending. It's it's it's, you know, you don't have to do math homework to follow it. I think it's I just highly recommend it, honestly. Yeah. And the other thing, too, which which makes it very European is how awkward the violence is. You know, <laughs> like the violence actually like the, the kills are not like the center point of the um you know the gore there's no real gore there's some blood but that's not right. you don't you don't watch this movie to see like gore and kills and and violence necessarily you know you watch no, this totally. movie for it's all very atmospheric yeah it's not it's not like over the top violence at all uh the kills in it are are necessary i wouldn't say they're gratuitous at all no you know they're part of the, the the plot, part of the story, right? Yeah, no, it's it's exactly it's part part of telling this the tale, you know. 
No, totally. But uh, yeah, two five out of fives from us kids. Uh, we hope you check it out. Please let us know what you think of Guards of Darkness. If you're going to see it for the first time or if you're, you're going to do a rewatch or, or whatever. Uh, again, I think it's something that the listeners really dig, Mike. You know, it's funny. When, when I, I read that same bit with Camille Pagley, I thought she was going to, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like condemn this movie, honestly. No, know? no. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's different. It's not just like some cheeseball, you know, titillation film at all. So, yeah. Yeah. All righty, man. That will wrap up this episode where we took you guys to Europe. Where will we go next, Michael? <laughs> well, I think for literally the next episode, we're going to be going to uh, someplace in the in the southern half of the United States. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's, like a hint, that's a hint, I guess, out there. It's and it's going to be a, a new-ish film. Okay. That's all I'll say Sounds about good. it. Yeah. all righty once again please hit the subscribe button uh if you're listening to us on spotify or apple podcasts uh if you're on instagram check us out on instagram necromaniacs if you are a facebook person we are on facebook necromaniacs podcast and we thank the new listeners the old listeners we thank you very much all right guys we'll talk to you next week take care Take care. Die! I did!